West Ark Church of Christ. Okay, so my name is Cade Richards, and I am the campus minister over at the Lions for Christ. And uh, I got that fateful call at like 8 p.m. last night, you guys know, uh, where Chris called me, and he's like, hey man, gonna need you to pinch hit for me today, basically. So Chris is... uh, Honestly, he's got a fever. He's got the shingles. I got a call this morning that Rick was sick, too. So Alyssa, Dina, and me, we're the last line of defense, basically. So um, I'm here this morning with you guys, and I love you. And also, if you are a visitor, we love you, too. So here's one of the things about a large church It's difficult for us as a large church, so just really honestly, sometimes over here, the people don't know the people over here, so if there's a visitor that sits somewhere, um, sometimes we just don't know that you're a visitor, and that's on us to some degree, but also, if you are a visitor, I just want to say we are so thankful that you chose us this morning. We understand that, honestly, church uh, for an introvert is an absolute nightmare, and for an extrovert is an absolute dream. So we get that. And so just really honestly, what I want for you guys is just to hang around a little bit. Give us a chance to show you that we're just a group of people, imperfect. We got flaws. We have stuff. But honestly, we're glad that you're here, and we want to show you that you are welcome to. You are a part of this family. You're a part of West Ark, but also you're a part, and you belong to the family of God. So I just want to say that for visitors. Um, I want to tell you guys a story. So honestly, I don't know. This may be like a bit of a generational thing, but I think it applies in a couple different ways. So you know, you know, like when it's late at night, and you're flipping through with the remote, and you have no idea why you're awake Like, you're just, like, flipping through these terrible movies, terrible TV shows, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to watch this because it's 2 in the morning. i got to get up in four hours, but this is very interesting, this, like, rerun of Gunsmoke. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, the, the version for my generation is flipping through Instagram or flipping through Facebook, like, these random videos. So... This was happening to me a couple nights ago, and you guys know what I'm talking about. Like, maybe if you're a bit younger, it's like, watch this snake eat a bigger snake, and you're like, sure, yeah, I want to see that. So I was down that rabbit hole. It was like two in the morning, and you know, you're watching videos like, learn how to make pancakes with just bananas and eggs. You're like, yes, I need to spend the next five minutes of my life learning how to do that. So I was watching these videos, and there was this one in particular. I, I promise you this is embarrassing, but it was like 10 facts you didn't know about duck-billed platypus. I was like, yes. <laughs> and so I'm watching this video, and it was just this expert, this guy that was, you know, revealing these 10 facts. So he proceeds with number one. He's like, hey, you know, duck-billed platypus are mammals, but they lay eggs. And I'm like, I already knew that. Nine left. And so he, he reveals that one, and then the second one, he's like, they do not have stomachs. So it's this expert, he's like, it goes straight from esophagus to intestines. I was like, okay, a little more interesting, that's cool. And then he reveals one that was like, the duckbill platypus, oh, sorry, on their back legs, they have these spurs with venom in them, and these spurs contain venom that's strong enough to kill a small dog, and I was like, how do they know that? They're like, oh, got the Yorkie, bring in the golden retriever, you know? Like, how do they know these things? And so he, he's revealing these facts, and I sat there a little bit afterwards, ashamed of my life that I'm watching these videos like two in the morning. But also, I was like, why did I listen to that guy? Why do I believe the things that he says? And ultimately, the connection I'm trying to make is we love listening to experts. 
We love listening to what they have to say. You know, if an expert's going to tell me about duckbill platypus, I'm going to listen to them because I like people that know everything there is to know about a certain topic. So what I want you guys this morning to understand, to listen, to hear, is that Jesus is going to talk to someone who's directly wronged him. And Jesus is God in the flesh. He is the expert on life. He's, he knows how to get the most out of life how to live life and live life to the fullest. And so we all sin. We all sin. It's going to happen. If you read your Bible, we're studying through the book of Romans in the college uh, this year. If you read your Bible, you are going to understand that you will sin. You're going to sin. And that's not to say that we excuse it and we're morally lax here at this church, but it's, it's a certainty. So my thing when I was growing up is, is preachers would have these great lessons, and they would talk about these really high and mighty truths, but I had no idea how to put that into my life. I had no idea what that meant for me practically. So this morning, what I want you guys to know is, what do we do when we sin? What are the things we need to hear, and what are the things that we need to do? And so, what would God say to us in this situation? So I was thinking about this poem, you guys may know it, by Robert Faust. Uh, not Faust, Frost. Uh, he said, two paths diverged in a wood, and I took the one less traveled by, and it has made all the difference. That's a, a famous poem, but it applies so much to what we're talking about today. So I want to look at these two paths that we can take when it comes to sin. Some of you guys probably already are making some connections, but ultimately I want to look at a perfect and honestly one of my favorite stories in the Bible of these two paths that these two men took. I want to look at the path of Judas, and I want to look at the path of Peter in regards to sin. And we're going to look at, very quickly, let me say this before we dive into these two guys' stories. I don't want you guys to confuse the brevity of this message this morning, the shortness, with how I feel about it, how this church feels about this. I want you to understand that this is a very special, very important concept that I want you to take and grasp and apply into your life. So, fair enough? Okay. So, essentially, if we look at Judas's path, how he handled guilt, how he handled shame, and then we look at Peter's, first we'll start with Judas. And I'm not going to belabor this point too much, but Judas betrayed Jesus. He was one of Jesus' closest friends. And then ultimately... He's like, I'm going to sell Jesus out, literally. I'm going to sell him for 30 pieces of silver. So he sells Jesus out, and in this moment, he recognizes, he has remorse that he's sold Jesus out. And so he sells him out, and he tries to return this these 30 pieces of silver. And the chief priests and the elders who wanted to betray Jesus, capture him, and kill him, they look at him and they say, it's too late. And if you want to, we could have a totally new, like completely different sermon where they say to him, it's your responsibility. What is that to us? We could totally talk about that, but just for the sake of today, Judas sells God in the flesh out, realizes what he's done to some extent, and then he lets guilt turn to shame. We'll be very specific about this. Guilt is not a bad thing. It is not a bad thing because guilt can lead towards repentance. Shame is very toxic and is not from God. It's not from God. I love the way that Chris put it. He said, shame is worry in reverse. So if you're worried about something, you're thinking about what could happen in the future. But if you're shameful about something, 
you're thinking about what has already done, what has already taken place, you have no control over it. It, it, It's just toxic. And so, Judas lets this guilt that could lead towards repentance turn to shame, and ultimately the end of his story is that he hangs himself. And it's not trying to be too graphic, I'm sorry, but that's in the Bible. And so he takes his own life. That this toxic shame and this him trying to take everything under his own, own responsibility leads to death for him, literally. But then we have Peter. And I don't know if you've ever made this connection. Maybe you have. Maybe this is a reminder. It doesn't really matter. But Peter does the same thing. Like, we love Peter. He's like, yes, let's go get him. I'm on fire for Jesus. But Peter does the same thing, essentially, that Judas does. He betrays Jesus. Whenever Jesus needed Peter the most, Peter goes, I don't know him. No, no, I don't know him. They ask him again, I don't know him. He saves his own skin. He betrays Jesus. I'm not sure if you've ever thought about it like that, but essentially Judas and Peter made the same mistake. It fleshed out in a little bit different ways, but it was the same thing. So what does Peter do? Well, he does what a lot of us do. We kind of revert back to our old ways and we have these moments where you know, our world is rocked and we have sin possibly. He goes back to what he knows and Peter goes back to fishing. So Peter's fishing, he's kind of living his life, you know, I'm not worthy to be a a disciple, and so he goes back to fishing, and then this is what I want us to read, just a few verses this morning. So if you want to flip with me, it's John 21, and we're going to look at verses 15 through 17, just a couple verses. So when Peter has directly sinned against God in the flesh, this is what God in the flesh tells Peter. So at this point in the story, I'll kind of catch us up. Peter, or Jesus has been crucified. He's risen. Peter's out fishing. Peter sees Jesus, swims to shore, and they're eating breakfast. They're cooking fish. And then this is what Jesus says to Peter after Peter has betrayed him, denied him, however you want to put it three times. This is what he says. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Then Jesus said, feed my sheep. To me, that's my favorite story in the Bible. I mean, I can hands down say that because it's an intensely emotional, intensely real moment that Jesus is essentially saying to Peter, I don't care how many times you mess up. That's how many times I'm going to forgive you. He says, feed my sheep. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. And it's a beautiful moment when when Peter realizes I denied him three times and he just forgave me three times. Like, that is the heart of God. That is Jesus. That is God in the flesh. Essentially, what, what Jesus was saying to Peter is, you are forgiven. Quit living like you're not forgiven. Quit living like you're not forgiven and get back in the game. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. 
Get back in the game. Get back in the game. Get back in the game. We've been studying Romans this semester, and honestly, there's a lot of great things in Romans, but one of the major themes in that book is that there are two paths in life. One is the path of Adam, and then the other is the path of Jesus. And essentially, if I could boil it down in Cade Richards' language, the path of Adam is this. We try to outsmart God. That's essentially it. That's like the root of all sins, in my opinion, that Adam was the first person. He was a representative of humans in general at large, and he said, I'm pretty sure that if I eat this fruit, it's going to be a much better life than if I wouldn't eat this fruit. Basically, I think that I can bring more joy with my choices than I could have if I just followed what God was saying. Does that make sense? So I'm trying to outsmart God, and so in this weird kind of way, I think we do the same thing with forgiveness. Okay, I've sinned, so now it's my responsibility, and and really what I need to do is act somber. I need to go around hanging my head and just replay and replay and replay in my mind how bad of a person I am and how much I don't deserve Jesus. And Jesus is saying, that's not what I want. That's not what I want. I don't want a group of people who just hang their heads and feel sad and, and, and are somber all the time. I want them to feel guilty, and then I want them to repent. I want them to turn back, and I want them to get back in the game. And if you feel like you don't deserve Jesus, the truth is that none of us deserve Jesus. We don't deserve Jesus. That's the point, but he forgives us anyway. And so what I want you guys to ask yourselves this morning is do you serve God or do you serve your feelings? That's a quote from Joyce Meyer. She put it so simple and so beautiful. Do you serve God or do you serve your feelings? And we could go a bunch of different ways with that, like do you feel like going to church? But specifically for today's context, if you have sinned, what you need to know is that you are already forgiven. You are already forgiven. It doesn't matter if you feel like it or if you don't feel like it. That's the truth. That's the truth from God. You are forgiven. One more quote. I couldn't not put this in there. There's a guy I really like named Tim Keller. And he says, It is the object of our faith, not the quality of our faith, that holds us up. It doesn't matter how good a Christian you think you are. You're never going to work your way into righteousness. Work your way to God. The only chance that any of us have today is the object of our faith, putting our faith in Jesus Christ. That is the only chance that we have. So, do you know the gospel? Do you guys know that? That it's Jesus that saves us. We're just like Peter. The only chance, like Peter had nothing to say for himself. He did betray Jesus. He did sin against God in the flesh. The only thing that he could do was to sit there and accept the forgiveness. Was to choose to accept the forgiveness of God rather than taking it all on himself and and putting the shame on himself which leads to death. If, If you look at Peter's life, he went on to lead the Jerusalem church which changed the entire world. All because he listened to Jesus, he took him at his word when Jesus said, get back in the game. Get back in the game. This is 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 
I'm going to read that one more time so you can hear the truth of God spoke over this church. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That is a promise of God. Do you take God at his word? What I want for you guys to do today, this is, is, is very practical. If you are struggling with this, I would assume that all of us have something in our life that we are trying to hold on to, but we don't feel so good about. I want you, I'm being very serious, if you have a respect for me as a person, if, if, if this is touching you in any way at all, I want you to literally do this. Think about that thing, and then out loud, I want you to say, I am forgiven. Say it three times if you want it to be very powerful. Because in my own life, something I noticed was the first time that I said out loud, I believe that Jesus Christ is the risen Messiah, it sounded kind of weird to me. Like, I, I know that that sounds strange, a preacher to say that, but to say it out loud, to say that you believe it, affirms it. It's out in the open, it's true. So I want you guys to think about whatever you're struggling with and literally say out loud, I am forgiven. Jesus has already forgiven me for that. It's done. Because if you follow Adam's path, if you follow the path of Judas, it's going to lead to death and destruction. It's going to tear you up from the inside out. But the beauty of God is that he changes us from the inside out. He forgives us. He gives, gives us the power of his Holy Spirit, and he begins to change us from the inside out. And we have life to the fullest. And so toxic, toxic shame leads to destruction. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm going to say a prayer for us and we'll be done. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this church. Thank you so much for um, your word. The fact that we get to look at, at just examples of real people living life. Um, thank you for the example of, of Peter. Thank you for the example of your son who, um, who led life to the fullest, who was the expert on life, that looks at us and says, you are forgiven. Get back in the game. So, Father, I pray that this isn't just another sermon that we hear. Um, I pray that we can truly, truly believe these words and know that we're forgiven, whether we feel like it or not. And, uh, Father, please convict us of that. Help us believe it through the power of your Spirit. And uh, I just pray for anyone in this room that's dealing with, with shame. I pray that you, uh, well, I pray that they know that you saved them from that. Um, that you made us right with God and there's nothing for them to be ashamed of. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.